Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois, and I love listening to Vish Khanna's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Julia Steiner is a talented songwriter, musician, and singer currently based in Chicago, Illinois. Originally from Louisville, Kentucky, Steiner has spent the past decade leading a project that now feels more like an actual band called Rat Boys. Their fifth album is a dynamic and emotionally charged one called The Window, which was released by Top Shelf Records on August 25th, 2023, And so Julia and I connected ahead of that uh, release for a good talk about things like uh, living in Indiana and what life was like living in Kentucky. Her mother's Sheryl Crow and Beatles CDs and how a Beatles chord book taught her a lot about playing guitar. A classic Vish Bob Dylan detour. Our mutual deep love and appreciation for artists like Wilco, Chad Van Galen, and Sufjan Stevens. The origins of Rat Boy and then Rat Boys, working with producer Chris Walla on The Window, the album's eclectic sound, 
and its exploration of grief and grieving, upcoming Rat Boys activity, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control. This is the primary source of revenue for all the work I put into making this show. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who will happily help you with uh, whatever it is you need. You can even go to blackbird.ca and order records directly. Say you want the new uh, Rat Boys record, The Window. Like I say, go to blackbird.ca, type it in, see if it's in stock. Uh, Maybe they'll ship it right to your house. Choose your own adventure at blackbird.ca. That's how I feel. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planted Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, places I visited very recently on a trip to Ontario. And Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, I went to Granddad's Donuts, too. What great donuts we had. Thank you, Granddad's Donuts. Uh, What was I saying there? Oh, yeah, this is episode 796 of Creative Control, featuring the charming and brilliant Julia Steiner of Rat Boys with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Julia. How's it going? Hi, Beach. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. It's uh, nice to have you on the show and to, to meet this way. Uh, I mean, it would have been nice to meet in person. I didn't mean that sounded disparaging. I didn't. I, it'd be nice to meet any any old way, but this is nice. Would you this, agree? This is okay. This is a particularly special way to meet, I think. <laughs> it's a very modern way, for sure. It's a modern way. Yes, it's very contemporary. Uh, where in the world are you today? So I am uh, at home in Chicago in our basement where we practice and tinker and do other such things. Oh, very nice. That's nice. How long have you been in Chicago exactly, would you say? I moved here almost 10 years ago. So it'll be nine years this fall. So it's been a minute now. It feels like home. Yes. Well, geez, 10 years. I would hope so. That's that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, where, where did you move from, if I may ask? Yeah. So I moved here right after I graduated college. So I moved from South Bend, Indiana, where mm-hmm. I had been living for four years-ish for college. And then before that, I was living in Louisville, Kentucky, where I grew up. Um, it's my oh. hometown. Oh, yeah. nice. I love... I don't know South... I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about Indiana generally. Did you like Indiana? I'm sorry. Was that, is that, I is mean, that insulting? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I I feel extremely the same as you. I I mean, I grew up right across the river from Indiana, and we always like, not to be mean, but we always kind of like, you know, made fun of the Hoosiers or whatever. So then living right. there for four years, I mean, Mike Pence was our governor. There's a lot I could say. Yeah. I mean, I had a good time in college, and actually, I'm Dave and I met a lot of awesome musicians in South Bend. Like, uh, I listened to your episode with the Rutabaga, like with Josh and Garth. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a nice place to to be a you know a band and like live for a while. Oh yeah, there was some Indiana content on there. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You that's know true. It. Yeah, so you know the Rutabaga folks? Yeah, they were like some of the first people outside of like the Notre Dame bubble that we played shows with. 
And they're yeah. just really great and welcoming. And actually, Garth filled in on drums for us in a sh- for a show once, <laughs> very Funny. last minute. So <laughs> we will always appreciate that for sure. No, that's great. Yeah, I uh, I like Larry Bird. I can't ah. remember what what else is from Indiana, but I like Larry Bird. He seems good. And then uh, Louisville, I like Louisville. I've been there uh, once, twice. I can't remember exactly. Uh, did you okay. like? Did you did you like growing up in Louisville? I mean, yeah, it's a it's a nice place. Um, very green, you know. It's um, I'm trying to think. It's just it felt like a pretty, you know, normal place. I was lucky. I lived on a street that had lots of kids on it growing up. So like, you know, just did your typical American like pre-internet activities. You know, going like digging holes and <laughs> I'm trying to think like making home movie. Just like you know, silly things. It was a nice place. I don't think I'd ever want to live there again. It's a little like insular, a little small, even for mm. being like a fairly big city. But yeah, uh, it's nice to visit. Definitely. I know. I know a couple people there. I suppose just from doing the show okay. and being being a fan. You know, you're Will Oldham. You're I think Nathan mm. Salzberg might be around there. Some musician types. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. a huge so- fan of. Both of those guys, particularly. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it has a rich history there. Did you have a musical upbringing per se? Um, yeah, kinda. Yeah, I mean, my mom is really musical. She um did a lot of musical theater. Like that was her thing in college. She was a theater major and did all sorts of. She was like a vocalist mainly. Like did all sorts of singing gigs over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I my parents put me in piano lessons and stuff as a kid and I like taught myself how to play guitar with her guitar. And it was, I don't know. She, we were always listening to music together, she and I. And so it was something I enjoyed from a young age, I think, but I never fully like saw myself. Yeah. I never like had a dream of like becoming a career musician or anything. It just kind of happened by accident that we like are still doing this, but um, yeah, I don't know. I always loved music growing up, for sure. Nice, that's great. So you mentioned uh, your your you bond over music with your your mother in particular, I believe is what you were saying there. Uh, mm-hmm. Were there were there particular artists that you bonded over or songs, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I the two big ones that stick out in my memory are like cds that she had her in her car when we would drive to school the first one is that the that beatles number one album you know like the compilation of all their number one hits like red cd with the big yellow one on the front that's Um, like the only thing by the beatles that i don't think i own because i'm like do i need is there do they put like an extra song on there or something like a i don't think they did no it's just really interesting and obviously at the time when i was first listening to that i didn't know the beatles very well at all so i didn't appreciate the context but like it's so interesting to hear just their number one hits Hmm. in order like that collection of songs obviously it's not something they curated it's you know we the people (laughs) curated it i guess but um it's just a really nice collection of songs and the way it flows in chronological order is actually like really a great album sequence by accident you know what i mean yeah i think it's kind of worth owning i don't own it but no i didn't yeah, i didn't, up, I, I, didn't loved mean, I didn't mean to sound snobby i just was like i don't think i need this release because i have everything they put out on, right. on every different well, format I've, yeah. I've had everything my whole life so what am i going to learn from this but so I, you're a big beatles fan i am a i am yeah sure i i i, nice. I have they're my first uh, music uh, love my 
I've, Me too. I've told this story when I was five or six years old. My cousin, uh, my older cousin, uh, uh, was into music and had, at the time, is the early 80s, so got me into the police and U2 and, uh, I don't know, he had cult, right? Love and Rockets, like just weird, whatever, whatever he was into at the time. And uh, vague, everything was vaguely like gothy, but big rock, I guess. And uh, But anyway, he played me the Beatles, and it was, uh, coincidentally, a compilation. It was called uh, Rock and Roll Music Volume 1. And uh, I was oh, like, what God. is this? I was Because I think it starts with them like twist and shout or something and John Lennon's voice is so ragged. Oh yeah. So it impacted me in a big way. Maybe it doesn't start with it. Maybe one side starts with it. I don't remember. Don't fact check me on this everyone. I don't remember. But <laughs> I just remember hearing the those songs and falling in love. But um no then I'm not also a fan of great I've talked about this before too, so forgive me. I, I'm not usually a fan of compilations or greatest hits things because I think the album mm. context is important. However, the Beatles are a good compilation band because the songs are all pretty great like there's there's nary a a stinker like if anyone deserves the greatest hits thing is what i'm saying is it's it's probably the beatles so i am probably now because of you going to try to obtain it's called one i believe right Be- the beatles one is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's all their number one hits. And I, I don't know. I am right there with you. Like, who is sequencing the Greatest Hits album? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, who is who is in charge? It's yes. probably not the artist. So, like, I I do like this one. <laughs> Last thing I'll say, sorry. I know this is a detour. But freaking, um, it's like, it's within a boundary. Like, it's literally, like, each number one hit in chronological order. So, it's like... Uh, structured in a way that no one could argue you know what i mean it's just this is like the history these are the facts this is like the career arc of this band and so but and like i said the sequence is actually quite nice given the fact that it's like within those constraints so anyway that record was like big for me growing up and i was the same as you like i the beatles were the first band i remember loving and then when i first started playing guitar i don't know who gave it to me or how i ended up with this book but there's this book called the complete beatles chord songbook yep and um i've actually met a few people who also owned this book and it's just absolutely how i learned how to play guitar like i um my mom showed me a few chords i had a friend who showed me a few chords and youtube was around so i used that a little bit like the early days of youtube (laughs) but that book specifically was like it for me and i still recommend like if you're trying to learn how to play guitar just find songs that you love and learn how to play them because then you will want to learn, <laughs> you know. Well, that um, that Beatles chord book, uh, I'm still a rudimentary guitar player. I have been ever since I picked them up. I don't have the. I'm a drummer primarily, but the guitar okay. mystifies me a little bit. But I'm getting better at it. and I'm figuring it out. But that Beatles chord book is one of those things where, as you're trying to learn a song, I'm I'm learning chords I didn't know existed. Did you find that exactly? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've learned so many chords from learning those songs and chords that I have like stolen and used <laughs> in our songs. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's the beautiful thing because I remember Paul McCartney saying in some interview that like the day he will never forget the day this random guy in his school showed him how to play a B7 chord and it, like literally changed his life. And yeah. I just, <laughs> I can really relate to that. Like, I have such vivid memories of like unlocking new, like, chord shapes <laughs> using this book so well i'm i still use i'm it. not smart enough to know how this works but like i in the last few years i decided to learn the george harrison song something 
And if I'm playing it correctly, oh, yeah. the first three chords are all some variation of a C chord. And, I, uh-huh. and that's that yeah. was weird. Oh, you just lift this finger and it's a different chord. And then you add a finger and it's a different chord, but you're still sort of always playing. Oh my god! Isn't that weird? It's you're speaking my you're speaking my language. This is like one of my favorite things about guitar. If you had one finger, God help you, but hopefully not. Yes. But if you had one finger on your left hand, you could still make the most interesting chords. Like literally changing one string, or even what I've been doing lately, which is psycho, is like just tuning one string differently and then playing the same chords I know and figuring out how to make it sound cool is like one of my favorite tricks because you don't need to change much for it to sound completely different, Yeah, which is so cool. It's magical. I I do think it's magical and it's revelatory when you start to get into that stuff. So thanks for that uh, little trip down uh, memory lane there. But (laughs) but you mentioned the Beatles. Was there anything else? I feel like you were going to say something else, some other record that your mom had maybe. Yeah, I mean, the other big one that I will never forget listening to with her in the car was The Globe Sessions by Sheryl Crow, which was her third record, her masterpiece, in my opinion. Maybe I'm biased because it was the first one that I was, like, obsessed with. But, yeah, big Sheryl Crow heads in the car listening on the way to school. Um, Hmm. Really earnest, honest, heartbreaking lyrics and vocal delivery on that record Cheryl is clearly you know going through some stuff but I just like loved I just loved it like everything about it and to hear a woman like just front and center like the star of the show on a record that's not even that in your face you know I just I I think it really uh lit a fire in me when and I didn't even really realize it at the time but I was really into that now, I don't know Cheryl Crow's uh, catalog very well, but that record... That's okay. Th- no, I, I, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't. <laughs> You're I, forgiven. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I just... What I wanted to say, though, is that record, though, uh, The Globe Sessions, I believe it came out around 1998 um, or mm-hmm. so. And I know this because I believe she got uh, to cover... Well, sorry, it hadn't even come out yet. Bob Dylan gave her the song Mississippi that he had been working on for the Time Out of Mind sessions in 97. And uh, he and his producer, Daniel Anwa, was on this show uh, earlier this year to talk about this a little bit. Uh, He produced that uh, Time Out of Mind album and didn't like Mississippi, even though Dylan was like, it's done. And now we all think of it as a classic. And so the lore is he and Lanwell got in a fight about it. And uh, so it didn't end up on the album, Time Out of Mind. It subsequently ended up on Dylan's 2001 album, Love and Theft. But am I correct? Is, do, are you familiar with a song called Mississippi? Um, is I that on? think so. I am yeah. not totally 100% sure. And I will say I know nothing about Bob Dylan. So I... I like don't know any of the lore, but I don't really know the bad. Like, so I say I am obsessed with this record. The first like eight tracks are the album to me. Like, I would always stop and go back because there's a weird Nirvana cover at the end that I can't really vouch for, like a Sweet Child of Mine cover. Yeah, she I'm does like, a Guns and Roses. Or not Nirvana. Song. I'm sorry, Guns and Roses. What right. am I saying? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like what. What is she doing? I don't know. So like there's parts the back half kind of loses me a little bit. I got to okay. be honest. So I'm okay. not I'm not totally sure 
about that song in particular. Okay, but the it's, first it's a classic seven. song. Uh, I think uh, uh, if you it, the chorus is only one thing I did wrong stayed in Mississippi a day too long, which is a field that re- sounds familiar. Yeah, well, it's an old field recording. I think that Alan Lomax captured uh, from some folks, uh, some prison. Gar- uh, pr- uh, prisoners were singing and he captured the field recording and Dylan grabbed that chorus. Only one thing I did wrong. Stayed in Missi- Mississippi a day too long. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to tell- wow. talk about something you don't know. Uh, but that record, I believe... <laughs> so that's my main, like, Cheryl Crow uh, connection. Anyway, sorry. I just inserting... I'll have to go back and listen. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, you get into stuff with your, your mother there. These are uh, the Beatles, I think, maybe Cheryl Crow. Um, kind of eclectic artists uh, uh, in terms of genre signifiers. Like they can go in several different directions, folk, country, rock, hard rock sometimes, pop. Yeah. That comes through for me in your work in Rap Boys. I can't listen to an album without feeling like I'm on a bit of a roller coaster ride of of styles and sounds. That That eclecticism appeals to you as an artist? Is that fair to say? Yeah, totally. I mean, I just, I love all different sorts of music and, and I'm not alone in that. Like, I think all of us in the band really have like diverse music taste. And I feel like everyone does, like a lot of musicians do, but like, we don't really stop ourselves from like writing, like working on a song just because it might sound different than the other songs we've been working on, you know, like I don't know. I just I really like albums where I'm like not totally sure what's going to happen next or like especially if it's like cohesive, like there's a sonic through line, but there's something about it that kind of shakes you up or surprises you. Yeah, I'm into records like that. Yeah. And so I don't know, like it's not something we try to do or like talk about or we're conscious of. It's just like to (laughs) like just write whatever songs we want to write yeah so. yeah no you've got freedom there i can appreciate that that makes sense yeah to me. yeah yeah totally and when people are like what kind of band are you in i'm like uh i'm always like well i play guitar <laughs> like it's like a guitar band um <laughs> but yeah i don't really know what to say it's like i don't we don't really think about it that way I no guess. it's it's fair and in this day and age i think it would make sense to most music fans that a band might go all over the place for sure um do you ever find, though, uh, when you uh, incorporate so much uh, difference on a record that, uh, like, I appreciate you're like, I don't know, it's music. I don't uh, People ask what it is. Because sometimes uh, when I think about even my show, this podcast, uh, sometimes when I lament uh, the fact that maybe it's not as, uh, whatever, popular as some other ones, you know, people like my wife will be like, well, it's kind of hard to describe your show. You talk to so many different kinds of people primarily musicians but comedians authors like sometimes people just like a thing to be one thing as a band do you ever experience like like people are like we don't know how to book you we don't know how to like where do you fit do you ever have you ever experienced anything like that um yeah i don't know like i think not directly no one's ever told us that or like we haven't been uh I don't know if we've like really noticed that, but I do often wonder, like, and I shouldn't say often. I've I've wondered in the past, like, you know, if we're maybe it feels sometimes like maybe we're a little bit too weird for like the average mainstream like pop rock music listener, but then yeah, yeah. we might be a little bit too 
like normal for like the really artsy kind of avant-garde indie listener like we are kind of straddling those two worlds a little bit maybe i don't know like i but then (laughs) like to to your point though like if someone were to say that about your podcast i feel like i would just say it's a talk podcast he's like talking to people you know what i mean and for our band it's like we're we're a guitar band we just play our guitars like i don't know like i don't think it has to be so complicated although i really like i do love thinking about genre and like it's fun to organize your brain that way so i get the like need to do that as well well for example there are times where rap boys can sound like a beautiful uh, almost traditional country band and your yes. voice is really well suited um, for those for that tradition, and yet the album opens with ostensibly uh, a, a noise. It's I mean I I don't mean to put too fine a point on it. It's called making noise for the ones you love, I believe, and uh, it's a noisy pop punk oriented, and that's all in the same record. Again, I don't mean to sound like I'm a hundred years old. I get it. The internet has changed the way, and particularly the internet, I think, has changed the way people listen and accept music. But um, I think also there are, I don't know if you'll get to that point where like, what if we just make a record this one way and see how that feels, you know, express ourselves in that one genre signifier and see if that, I don't know. Again, who am I to say? But do you ever have thoughts like that? Maybe we'll just make like a punk record. Maybe we'll just make a country record and just see what happens. Do you ever think that? Yeah, no, I've definitely thought of that. Like, I think it'd be fun to try someday. I don't know if or when it will ever happen but yeah i maybe it is a beatles thing honestly you saying that because like they did that and i really think that like that is something that i've never fully understood why but i think that is one of the main reasons that i love their discography and like love their records is because they do that on their records like they have all sorts of different energies and like presentations and weird noise mixed with like beautiful like i'm trying to think well i'll tell you i'll tell which i'll I'll say a thing right now tell me if this resonates with you my my two if i i i can't really pick favorite records by my favorite bands i think it's reductive and i like the journey and all that stuff but i will say if i had to my go-to's for the beatles are revolver and the white album and, yep. and my favorite uh, album by The Clash is a triple record called Sandinista, which is all over the place. And the White Album, all over the place. So something about me for a long time has enjoyed that dynamism, that that variety of, of ideas and sounds living in the same uh, creative batch, creative explosion. I get the totally. imp- I get the impression you are a similar type of person. That's a great way to put it. It is really dynamic. And like my favorite, I'm not sure if you're a Wilco fan. Do you listen to Wilco? Very much so. I've seen Wilco uh, uh, lots and lots of times. I don't know, probably I would guess 15 times I have all their albums. You know, Jeff Tweedy was on the show. Uh, Jeff and I have talked a few times, but he's on the show for a very unexpectedly long for both of us conversation i think it was amazing it was last year he's very sweet he's very funny and uh yes i am a sorry yes the answer to your question yes hell yeah okay i'm a huge (laughs) fan as well and yeah my favorite record of theirs is a ghost is born and that is one of the most like extreme records as far as like extreme physical noisy guitar solos and then like extremely intimate 
acoustic, pretty, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, ambient music. I just, I love records that have a lot to give you, like a lot to share. And it feels more complete as like, this is the hum. this is like the brain that this came out of. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, it feels like a whole person kind of sharing themselves with you. Um, and it's not like I demand that from people because it's a very kind of like, maybe exhausting like vulnerable thing to do to like share so many different parts of yourself with people but and i'm not saying that that's what i'm doing necessarily but like you know it's i find that i really appreciate that when i listen to records well i it's i i appreciate you saying that because there are times on this new album uh where every once in a while i'm like oh this this kind of reminds me of yankee hotel foxtrot i i actually have thought that listening to damn yeah does that i know you mentioned a ghost is born thank you but that album too this i don't know if you got is there a xylophone or something uh, i feel like there's something in the in the mix where i'm like oh this kind of reminds me of like a, a wilco melody anyway i didn't mean to get that specific it sounds like we're, you, you, that's in there somewhere in your subconscious at least wilco oh i mean i'm a, just a huge fan yeah. i <laughs> yeah. and i mean living in chicago now it's it just feels like that band is such a I don't know, it's like in the wind or something, not to be cheesy, but I just, I am grateful that that band exists and grateful yeah. to live in the same city where they create music. Are so. you, are they aware of you? Have you interacted with the Tweeties in any way? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm friends with Spencer, oh, nice. Jeff's son. Yeah. Um, Spencer also been on the show. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's nice. such a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a very kind person. And yeah, yeah I like right before the covid lockdown hit um i got to play in his band i like played guitar in his like solo band or whatever oh, nice. at a show and um so we practiced at his house and so i met jeff very briefly like while we were practicing <laughs> and he like came down he's like where are the law and order dvds or something you know like very <laughs> mundane and i'm like oh my god <laughs> wow it's jeff tweedy but um yeah but yeah it was cool and i don't know i just i don't know i'm just a Big old fan. I just love love all their records. I he, he, truly, truly do. He's very funny. Jeff did a... Th- we were talking about... Um, on the last time he was on in that long chat, we were kind of talking about uh, recognition for our work as musicians or in my case as the host of the show. And, you know, I was going on about how it's nice when... Um, I said something like it's one of my great markers of success is if a guest will share our conversation after it's happened... Uh, because that to yeah. me tells me they were not only they do they have a fond memory of it, uh, maybe they engage with it a little bit and they're fine with it and they want to share it. Because some some most of the time, ninety percent of the time, that happens. And when and that ten percent or whatever, when it doesn't, I I feel like uh oh, maybe they didn't like it or maybe they don't care. I don't know. Anyway, Jeff's hearing me say this, and he he was relating to it in terms of the reception to Wilco sometimes and how certain records of theirs, uh, I think he felt would occasionally get ignored or you know disparaged with not a, a deep listen so we we're we we're on about it and and uh, when i said the thing about the podcast he said i feel like i'm gonna owe you a present after this do i do i owe you something <laughs> like a fruit basket and i said no 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 it's fine anyway cut to three weeks later guess what's in my mailbox um a, oh, a fruit amazing. basket from Jeff Tweedy, and it was covered in like, wow. or it was like chocolate covered fruit, 
And it was a note. What a, what a dream. What a lovely, funny guy that he remembered that. And I texted him like, thanks for the fruit basket. It's like, no problem. I hope it's, you know, I can't remember what he said. But it was just very nice. And uh, so I just want to say, I want to tell a little uh, anecdote because we're having a little Tweety Lovin'. Uh, I love those people. Lo- very- love some Tweety Lovin'. That yeah, rocks. absolutely. So let's go back again. We're going to hop all around on this call. And I'm sorry, Julia, but uh, such as, say la viche, as I like to say. So... Uh, you're you're playing guitar uh, and you're learning stuff with your your mother there and and your your mother's guitar I should say. When do you when does that switch go off that this is something you could pursue you could play live you could write songs? Was it high school? When was it exactly? Um yeah probably probably sometime in high school. I I'm trying to think. I like played a song at my high school talent show and that seemed to go okay. My teacher was like, you need to open your eyes because <laughs> I guess I was like closing my eyes the whole time. I was like, OK, like yeah. uh, I ne- it was some good, you know, constructive criticism. And, you know, I was writing songs alone and really getting into music kind of on my own as well. Like or I should say, like, oh, not with my mom, like with my friends. And it was right when the iTunes store was becoming a thing. So it was like really easy to, you know, I would go to like my family's desktop computer and just look on iTunes for hours and like usually find interesting album art and like listen to music that way, like the little 30 second clips or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then would go to the record store and buy CDs if, you know, (laughs) with my little, like my, what is it? Summer job money. I was like a bus bus boy. Um, but anyway, you know, so I was like kind of slowly coming out of my shell a little bit or like blooming with music discovery, but I was definitely like playing alone. I didn't have any friends at the time who also played an instrument and so I would like write songs by myself and show them to my friends and they liked them and like you know wanted me to keep going but I didn't really think of it beyond that at all like I I played a couple coffee shops and stuff but it was truly just for uh I liked performing but it wasn't for any sort of like if I do this then maybe next time I could do like a bigger one you know it wasn't like that at all it was just for fun yeah so uh, yeah eventually I mean it took us it took me a long time to like really like a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, this could be something I like do. Like I could like try to make a living doing this someday. That didn't happen until like 2017, like, like, you know, years later, like 10 years later. And that was really when we were doing a lot of DIY touring across the country. And in 2017 through friends of friends, we got hooked up with these booking agents in New York and they came out to see us and, liked our show and like wanted to start helping us book shows and i was like oh my god like you're like you know in the industry and you want to like help us so that was like the first time that like it kind of switched for me i was like oh this is something that people want to like invest their time in we could try to make this more than it is so it was a yeah exciting time for sure pretty pretty organic okay i get it yeah definitely so if you can think on some of these early coffee house performances uh, I mean, I'm going to guess you did some covers, but uh, if you want, we can talk about that. But I'm also just curious about your first forays into your own songwriting. What were you kind of writing about? Because I, I sense in your current writing a lot of interpersonal relationship stuff and 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 just pondering the world. Um, and I wonder if that those sort of uh, aesthetic choices were present even when you first started. So yeah, can you take us back? Like, what if you were covering people? Who were you covering? And if you're writing songs, what kinds of things were you kind of writing about? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I know when I first started playing those shows, um, some of which were in nursing homes too, which is kind of funny. Um, oh, we, what, we, uh, would, what, we would go and play for the, the elderly people. It was like we had to do service hours at, in high school. I went to a Catholic hmm. school. And so part of that was like, if you go play a concert for like the elderly people, then that counts as like community service or whatever. So I was like, okay, that's easy enough. Um, oh, cool. Nice. And it was really fun. So I would do that with my friends and I played like a couple Avett Brothers songs and like I covered a Fleet Foxes song and like a Sufjan Stevens song hmm. and Chad Van Galen, who's my favorite songwriter, like ever love him. Really? Um, that's lovely. That's Chad's, uh, a, a, he's just down the road from me. We're pals. He's in Calgary. I'm in Edmonton. That's, that's I'm- awesome. I forgot you're in Canada. How yeah, oh yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I, <laughs> How have we not talked about this yet? Okay. Wait. I don't know. Sorry. I didn't know. I don't know what people know and don't know. I didn't think it was Jermaine. I knew Sorry. you were a Canadian. I knew you were yeah. Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Chad is like one of my, I mean, we've never met, but I, I am a huge, huge fan of his uh, songwriting. And so, yeah, I played, I remember I played Willow Tree, which is a song of his about death yeah. at the nursing home and... I think the old people were deeply confused, <laughs> so sorry to them. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I just loved trying to learn songs, and I didn't know a lot of chords, and you know, my knowledge on the guitar is still pretty limited, and so I was just kind of writing songs with the chords I knew, and the very first ones were about like silly things going on in my friend group, like almost joke songs to make my friends laugh. Um, yeah. And then eventually, as I started listening to more Sufian, no, um, like as I, I don't know, like I was able to kind of write some more, some songs that I felt more like personal and they felt more serious for lack of a better word. And so they were definitely mostly focused on like people in my life and things I was learning in school and just like very kind of, kind of a reflection of where I was when I was 16. Um, hmm. But a few of them ended up on our first EP, like the first thing that we put out in 2011, which we then re-recorded in 2021. Um, but yeah, a few of those those first five songs, like three of them were ones that I wrote in high school. So Nice. Um, That's good. Yeah. So you found your voice early. You know, between Wilco and Suf, you've got uh, Illinois on the brain. You, you seem drawn oh to gosh. Illinois. I never even... That just occurs to me. Sorry, I'm making a little joke, but... Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. I, yeah, and I don't know how I, maybe it was fate that I ended up here, but yeah. I mean, Sufian is, I know I just said Chad is like my favorite songwriter. Sufian is like my favorite, God, what would the word even be? Just like artist? I don't know. Like he, it's not even just his writing, but like the way he presents it and the like production choices he makes. I'm just such a fan like he can do no wrong in uh that he's end. a he's a good guy i uh had the good fortune of encountering him in uh 2000 uh my i was road managing my wow. friends my friends in royal city and uh a band and that's early that's yeah, really early yeah he gave me copies we we were we, yeah we played at his um his loft apartment uh and uh, he played and my friends played and and uh, we became friendly and then uh, a year or two later Mutual colleagues brought a folk band that I led down uh, to Brooklyn to play a tribute to the uh, folk artist uh, Howard Finster, and and Sufjan played. He was just getting the theatrical stuff going on. Danielson family also played, and we played, and it's really fun. But yes, Suf said, "Hey, I've got a new album uh, coming out. 
here's the he gave me a finished copy of Illinois and I and then I said, "Oh, I'll I'll write it up. I'll write it up in Canada." So I wrote a review wow. of it and I believe I might be wrong on this, but I think he told me I was the first one to ever review it and he wrote me a, uh. a long I lost it cuz I my Hotmail account got all they deleted everything because I forgot to log in. No. Anyway, he wrote me a long review of my review. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he wrote like did he a, like it? He did like it. He said he, he clipped it. Oh. I sent him a hard copy of it at the time, and he put it on his fridge, he said, but he wrote me a review. That was nice. It was nice, but it was a review of my review, and it was really funny. And uh, I, yeah, he's an amu- Oh, my gosh. You should have written him a review of his review of your review. I, you guys could have kept this going for years. I was a little overwhelmed because he hadn't, uh, whatever, it hadn't, like, <laughs> Uh, you know what? That is so cool. As I think of it now, I'm wrong. It wasn't Illinois. It was Michigan. Sorry, I forgot that. He, I was gonna say. He got I was gonna deep. say that. I forgot. Illinois was later. Yeah, I forgot. He got yeah. too deep. So it was Michigan. He gave me a copy of Michigan, oh. and that's what I reviewed. And then by the time Illinois came out, uh, he was a. I guess that's when he became a bigger deal, right? I, I'm foggy on this yeah. now. So we haven't talked in a long time, but um, we used to do interviews all the time, and I post some of them up on my. Uh, Patreon. Anyway, good lord, why am I talking about all this? Amazing. Just, well, no, I love it. Yeah. Sufian, Sufian is such kind of like a mythical figure to me. So to hear any sort of like humanizing tale of Sufian is very cool. He's fun. He's yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a funny. Did you did you like Age of Odds? Uh, that is like my that's like my favorite record of all. Yeah, time, but anyway. I did. I I got to see him do that at Massey Hall, that show, that tour, and uh, I did like it. Yeah, I'm so jealous. And I also like the oh Brooklyn. Uh, what was the thing? The BQE one. The BQE. Yeah, oh, very nice. God. He gave. Yeah, he gave I me uh, some. I tour. I interviewed for that one. I interviewed him on his tour bus, and he gave me the elaborate. Uh, I'm just sorry. I'm glancing to my left here. I have it here somewhere. He gave me the very elaborate uh, vinyl. And there's a bunch of sh- yeah. stuff in it, and yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Again, uh, I just I, I wanted to relate to you, uh, and so I mentioned some folks. I didn't mean to drop names. I'm sorry. Uh- <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, hey, I we could make this a Sophie podcast, we could. but no, we could. We, I think we, we just could. did. I'm sorry. Anyway, my point is this. <laughs> my point was going to be okay. Thank you for that background. We're a little all over the place. It's my fault. Uh, let's talk about yeah. the inception of Rap Boys. Uh, from this era that we're talking about, because you you talked about how uh, you know as you're a young person writing songs, some of those songs end up on uh, Rap Boys releases. I think is what you said. Sorry, I'm going back a ways. Uh, how, yeah, yeah. How did the uh, Rat Boys as a band or a project, if you will? Because I think we're going to get to it. I think at this point. Uh, it feels, we're almost there. We're almost there. It feels <laughs> feels <Yes. laughs> like, feels like a real band these days. But how did it start, and what was its uh, form in the early part of Rap Boys? So yeah, I um, I started writing songs by myself, and I called myself Rap Boy, which was like kind of my high school nickname. Um, so like right after I graduated from high school, I got a laptop because I was going to go to college, and it was like you know looking back this brick of a laptop, but it had you know, like the earliest version of GarageBand on it. And so I was able to record myself for the first time and um, made a little, you know, 10 song demo CD. And um, that was like kind of my first rat boy thing. And then I go to college immediately, like first weekend, meet Dave, who was from the Chicago suburbs. We had like interacted on on facebook that summer i like came across his profile and was intrigued and so we we became facebook friends but then we became real friends in real life and immediately kind of 
bonded over the bands we liked and, you know, the fact that I played guitar and there just aren't a ton of people at Notre Dame who are into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. And I'm, and there are people, but there just aren't a ton. And so we immediately kind of like became fast friends just because we had so much in common in that way. And so I showed him some of my, the songs I had written, the ones I had recorded to that CD and um, we picked a few and then I was writing a couple, a few more and we just kind of started messing around with these songs. And then eventually over spring break that year, 2011, um, he took the recordings home with him that I had been working on and added stuff and then came back at the end of the week and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is literally the coolest thing. Like I could have never done this on my own. And so mm. then we just put it up on Bandcamp and uh, sh- just to show our friends and uh, yeah, we we were Rat Boy, <laughs> the two of us. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just started playing shows that summer in like our friends' backyards and stuff. Nothing... We were not attempting to be legitimate whatsoever. We just, like, wanted to... We were excited to, like, be with our friends and, like, you know, play on play on bills with them and just, you know, share music together. It was, like, very wholesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it sounds wholesome. Um, sorry. Uh, how does one earn the high school nickname Rat Boy? Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I... <laughs> the, the way I remember it is that we were... My friends and I were like at lunch sitting around a big round table and we were just giving each other like disgusting nicknames, like very crude nicknames. And um, my friend Liz just like narrowed her eyes and looked at me and was like, you're just a little rat boy. And she like called me that. And we came up with like, there was this whole inside joke we had. We like came up with this little musical. It was like just kind of like a silly joke with my girlfriends. And so Hmm. it stuck. It was the least disgusting nickname, but I, the only one that stuck as, around. As a professional journalist, I, I must ask, do you recall what some of the more disgusting nicknames were? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't think they are uh, fit to share. Okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. Yeah. High schoolers being high Truly, schoolers, leave it at that. Okay. Yes. I think I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. So the narrative around, so Rat Boys has been going then for uh, how long exactly? As a band, I mean. I mean, technically, like, 13 years. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we didn't start touring until 2015, and that was all DIY stuff, so. Yeah. No, I don't know. that counts. Hey, are you munching on raspberries? I can I can hear it. Are you? I'm sorry. No, no, Yeah, I was for that, for, that, for that answer. I ate a raspberry. I, I want some. We have some in the fridge. I'm going to have I'm some sorry. after this. You've, we're upselling raspberries. tempting you. Everyone should eat raspberries, listen to Wilco and Sufjan Stevens. We're just upselling. Oh, yes. the Beatles. You should check out the Beatles. They're good. <laughs> anyway, my point yeah. was going to be, uh, so the narrative around this particular album, uh, The Window, is that this is the most collaborative version yet of, yes. of Rap Boys. Is that accurate? I well, yes, okay. I think so. And, and what that means is, you did still probably come up with the seeds of the songs, but you brought them into a room with uh, with everyone and worked out everything together. Is that about right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how interesting this stuff is to people, but like in the past, what I would do is like exactly what you said: write the seeds of the songs alone, yeah. and then I would show that to Dave. And if Dave gave me a thumbs up, then I would keep working on it. And eventually, in the past, Dave and I would take the finished seeds and go demo them together. And then we would 
try to find friends to help us record them when it went time, you know, when it was time to like actually record them. And so we were usually like teaching the kind of rudimentary drum and bass parts that we had written. Dave is a very talented bass player. So in the past he would write the bass parts and then teach them to someone else or play them himself. And then we'd have different people playing live anyway. So this time was the first time that I brought the seeds of the songs to everyone, like to the group, which now includes Sean and Marcus. And we all like wrote our parts together in the room at the same time. We've never done it that way before. And it was uh, very exciting. Like, it's like, I don't know when, as soon as we started playing, as soon as I started playing with Dave, I was like, how cool would it be to have a band? (laughs) And it took us a long time to like find a consistent band. And so, and we had that with printer's devil, but it was still the kind of thing where Dave and I like wrote all the parts and demoed it alone and then brought it to Sean and Marcus. But this time Sean and Marcus wrote all their parts and yeah, it was just a very exciting new feeling for us. So, I assume this yeah. is, among other positive uh, aspects of this, it's going to probably make it easier for touring. Everyone's going to know their parts. They came up with them. Yeah. Yeah. It was way more efficient, like way more time effective. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. it's good. And honestly, that that was like a revelation in the studio, too. Like with Printer's Devil, our last record, we recorded live for the first time and that was a revelation to be like oh my god we can all record our parts all at the same time like that makes it go so fast and so (laughs) we did that again for this one and it was awesome we like finished we tracked the whole record in like five days and then we had like 19 days to do all the overdubs so it was a it was awesome. It sounds great. Like I say, uh, for those who are going to dig into it, uh, it's uh, when I say it's a little all over the place, I mean it in a good way. You're going to get uh, <laughs> different sounds, and it, it keeps you thinking, keeps you guessing. What's going to happen next on this record? Every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, now we're going in this direction. I like that. Um, the title nice. track, The Window, stands out for me, uh, not only because it's the title track, but... Um, you know, now that we've had this conversation, I can't help but think of those uh, the the times you spent uh, playing to folks in uh, senior homes. Uh, there's mm. some sadness pervading uh, that song, um, and I, I'm going to ask you to talk about that if you can uh, in a moment. That song and maybe where that came from. But also wonder. I also as we're as you're pondering the song and what to say about it. Uh, do you feel like that was that a linchpin for the record? Because the record is, like I say, in a good way, uh, has many different. It contains multitudes of moods and ideas. Um, but is that a song that you view as uh, central? Given that it's the title track, is it a in terms of mood and tone of, of the album overall? I think so. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, we weren't always planning to name the album after that song. The original working title was the name of track one, Making Noise for the Ones You Love. And The Window, as a song, I will say, like, when I wrote that song, I was, like, immediately very proud of it. I felt like it was a pretty clear, concise, like, distilled song compared to some of the other ones that I've written like it just felt very kind of true to what I was trying to do and I don't always feel that way I don't usually feel that you know what I mean like yeah. it, I felt it felt like an accomplishment like I was proud of it and so I always knew that that song meant a lot to me personally and it was one that took us a minute to figure out as a band because we 
we tried it in so many different styles. Like when we were, we were up in Michigan demoing in 2020 and we tried, we just didn't know how to present it. We like tried it in like a slow country style and like we tried it super fast and like eventually we just landed on this kind of like straight ahead pop rock like radio rock thing and we were like this is cool like this like feels we were trying to sound like the goo goo dolls or something and so um <laughs> right. like counting crows we and i love those bands and so yeah it it felt really solid and so in the track list it is like the centerpiece of the record it's you know track six of 11 it's like right in the middle and so eventually in the studio chris suggested i think he felt the song was special and he suggested why don't you guys name the album after it and we were like okay yeah maybe and then the last thing i'll say is we like went on tour right after we got out of the studio and we would play it every night um because we had been just recording it and people really liked it like after the shows people would kind of come up and talk to me about it and so i was like you know i think we should yeah i think we should name the album after this song so i'm glad we did did you contextualize the the story behind the song live yeah yeah, totally. So, yeah, I did. Well, I didn't really go into details. I would just say, you know, the song's about, like, saying goodbye through the window. And sometimes I would say it's, you know, dedicated to my grandparents or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, the the song has, like, a very specific... It's, like, rooted in a very personal story. But it's basically about my grandpa visiting my grandmother when she was, you know, close to dying. And because of covid he wasn't allowed to go in to the nursing home where she was living um she didn't have covid it was like a weird thing where you just, no one was allowed yeah, inside yeah. and so they were afraid that you know people outside would give her covid whatever Ugh, god it's such a weird time to think back on but um anyway so he was kind of forced to find a workaround and ended up standing outside her first floor window and like talking to her and kind of having this final goodbye through the window yeah and and she passed away the next day, like the next morning. Um, and yeah, my mom was there and witnessed this and called me to break the news about my grandmother, but also um, just kind of couldn't help herself and like told me this whole story and like some of the actual things that he had said. And it was just extremely like heartbreaking, but very beautiful. And I just remember on the phone, I like wrote everything down as she was telling me because I was like, this is too, like, I want to remember this. This is too special to like not you know document or whatever and so yeah the song came pretty quickly after that and weirdly enough vish and this is weird but i had wanted to write a song called the window i like had this kind of melody and like the image and the title Hmm. for years like going back to 2018 and so and i was wait i like truly was waiting i was like something someday this song will make sense and like when I heard that story, I like when my mom told me all of this, I just I got chills. It almost felt like it's happening. Like the song yeah. is it's ha- I don't know, it's happening. And so I was just so grateful to have the opportunity to, yeah, write about that experience in this way and share it with people. And unfortunately it is a thing that people can kind of relate to, you know, like a lot of people have told me that. And so I don't know. Yeah, it's something I'm proud of and grateful to have the space to sing and talk about it. So, well, it's you should be proud of it. It's it's a it's a, among the most beautiful songs on this album. Um, are there any other themes that you have picked up on recurring uh, in terms of maybe what 
uh, where songs emanate from or things you're trying to sort out? Anything like that? Yeah, I think, I mean, the main one that kind of comes to mind for me is just like, like strange grief, like the ways that we grieve the loss of people in our lives or even like the mundane passing of time, just kind of like how, what that looks like and how it changes and shifts depending on our moods and depending on, you know, the things we're (laughs) grieving and mourning. Um, But, and I don't think that necessarily has to be sad, you know, like I think grief is such a mysterious, like multi-layered emotion or like experience. So whether or not the songs kind of, like outwardly talk about that or or like gesture to that that's something that's kind of always on my mind (laughs) you know not to be morbid and i don't think it's morbid i don't know no no on on, it's it's very real it's very natural it is and i think it's you on the song morning zoo i think you're there's a something you were just discussing resonated with me from that song because i feel like that's a song where you're asking uh how long does it take how long does it take to Resolve something. Uh, what's the line here? How long does it take to find the peace that I want? And how long must I wait to decide that it's over? Well, I don't know. That's life. Like, how long is this? Like, exactly. <laughs> like how long will it take to get over something? How long uh, before I feel joy? Or, uh, you know, I'm not saying this about you specifically, but these are things we, a lot of anticipation in life uh, of, of like, when is something going to happen or when is it going to be over? Um, and I feel like, when can I move on? Yes. And when can I move on? So I think what you're saying does pop up throughout the record, but sorry, I just focused on that song because it, when you were talking, it came to mind. Um, that may, is that? No, it's, that's it. Yeah. That's one of my faves. I, and I'm glad you said that because yeah, that, that, those lines to me are like the distilled, like question of the record (laughs) for me. And that's kind of where it all rests in my opinion. Yeah. well, I, I, we've touched upon a lot of things in this conversation, and I, I hope we got to uh, a fair amount of stuff about this record. Is there anything you want to say about it that we didn't get to? Just things that stick out for you that are highlights or anything like that? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i just stoked on <laughs> I mean, how it turned out. Like, recording with Chris Wallow is an absolute dream come true. Um, I'm a huge fan fan of his work in death cab and with a lot of other bands so it yeah was completely surreal to not only like be in a room with him but to like really jive and like become friends and yeah yeah just get to make art together so it was it was awesome and yeah man i just i'm so excited to finally (laughs) share it because it's been it's been finished for a minute so we're so thrilled to get to share it and hopefully it's a a fun roller coaster, like you were saying, and not a scary or no, no. stressful one. So it's, it's, <laughs> it is really fun and enjoyable. And I want to I want to thank you for fielding that last question. I've been asking this type of question the last little while, and it's interesting. Almost everyone is like, "Oh, huh," because <laughs> it's so open ended. Like, is there anything we haven't covered? And I just I like I view it as an opportunity for someone to you know, wow, oh, he didn't ask me about this, he didn't ask me about that, and almost everyone's like, oh, "I don't know how to answer that." But you did a good job, if I might say. And I, it's making Thanks. me, but it is making me question if that's a good closer. Hey, got anything oh, else? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I mean, yeah. to be honest, like there's so much we didn't talk about. Like I, yeah. it was just such a rich experience making this album. And I, I feel like I could talk about it forever. Yeah. But, you know, people gotta, people gotta eat. People gotta, you know, live their lives. We can't, 
We can't do our 10-hour podcast. No, no. But. People got to drop the names of Sufjan Stevens and Jeff Tweedy. That's what people got to <laughs> do, apparently. I'm sorry. No, I, I hope... No, I, 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 <laughs> no, I love a good out-of-context story. <laughs> Truly. No. I'm not lying. No, I appreciate that. And I, I only brought them up because you did. And I, I, I they, those people and those things resonate with me. Anyway, I, I do hope you enjoyed yourself totally. uh, uh, during this chat. And we got uh, people to be intrigued by this new Rat Boys record, uh, The Window. Uh, if people do want to follow up and learn more themselves, are there places on the internet or elsewhere where you'd like to direct them? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're on all the regular social media places, but ratboysband.com is our website, lovingly made by our drummer, Marcus Nuccio. Mm. Um, and everything's pretty much there. So okay, have at okay. it. Nice. Uh, and uh, if we can go out on a song from the window, Julia, I wonder if you can choose one for us and tell us why it came to mind. Uh, yeah, let's do Morning Zoo. Why not? You you mentioned that one, and I think that's, uh, that's one that I'm really proud of. It came a long way from the demo. Um, we've really piled it on, so <laughs> I'm excited to share that one. Is it an allusion to, like, the morning radio zoo cruise? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz are you a fan of those? I'm not myself. Well, I, so just... growing up, that was a, <laughs> always we always listened to like the commercial radio. It was Peter B and Kelly K and they would always do the zaniest stuff in the morning when you're like half awake and it's like what is happening? Like you just feel so numb, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the yeah. car. Yeah. Um yeah. and so long story short, I'm a big Wikipedia head and the article of the day one time was the U2 zoo tv tour they did a huge tour in the 90s that was kind of that's the first show i ever went to first show i ever went to so i'm sorry this is this is this is ridiculous well no this is crucial because this is where i this is where i got the idea for the song so like that's so interesting because i know their walk-up song was that song that's like like TV, the poison of the nation, or whatever you know. That's like disposable. It's disposable heroes of hypocrisy who yes. opened the tour date I saw with Primus. Yes. The two opening bands were disposable heroes of Hi- hypocrisy, Primus, and the uh, disposable hero song is television, drug of the nation, feeding ignorance and breeding radi- oh, radiation. Feeding ignorance, yeah. breeding radiation. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry Dude, to interrupt. Dude, no, that is so cool that you were there because yeah, I, I was, that I the was article. Very young. If you ever if you ever want to take a trip down memory lane, Wikipedia has an extremely detailed article about that entire tour. Um, like everything about it, all the logistics, all the stage setup, like everything. And so anyway, that article was featured on their front page. So I read it and linked to it in there. There was a link to the article for the morning zoo, like as a concept, mm. um, like zany early morning radio. And um, I had never heard that phrase before. And it just like it resonated with me so hard about like uh-huh. this, the like, like I said, the mundane passing of time, your like dull routines, you know, contrasted with this like just meaningless like chaos happening in the background. I don't know. It just it felt so real to me. And so. That was well, where that came from. So. Wow, that's weird. So if I <laughs> sorry, think on long-winded, it, but it's no, real. no, it's my fault. So everything's my fault. Let me just say that. As, <laughs> if I think on it, I was uh, fourteen or fifteen years old when I saw that. It was the first big concert I ever went to, and I was a big fan, as I said earlier, from my cousin getting me into that band. And so uh, I remember every aspect of it very vividly. And I know they're disparaged now, 
but I've never really seen a concert spectacle like that in my life. I don't think I, f- I think few people have. It was really Absolutely. something else, and uh, and yeah. So I appreciate that. So cool. And uh, I'm sorry to drop another name, you too. But let's play uh, this <laughs> song uh, by Rat Boys called "Morning Zoo" from their beautiful new album, "The The Window." Uh, Julia, this was uh, a pleasure. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I hope you did too, and I hope we talk again soon. And best of luck in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. Like I said, I'm a big fan of the pod, and uh, yeah, just appreciate you listening to the new music. So thank you. For your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Someone seems to be mowing a lawn or blowing leaves or something outside my window here a summer day in Edmonton in the winter often there's snow blowers it's noisy outside my house but anyway maybe you can't even hear it I can barely hear it now I think I think they gave up I think the person collapsed too much mowing anyway thanks again for listening to this episode of Creative Control featuring uh, Julia Steiner of Rap Boys it was lovely to get to uh, encounter Julia for the first time and uh, go on some uh, tangents and detours about uh, our mutual uh, love for various people and talk about this great new record The Window and this was all for the 796th episode of Creative Control which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts pretty much if you can't find an episode that you're uh, hunting for and you can't find it it's nowhere in the feeds or whatever that's fine you can still find it I'll tell you where in just a second you can also uh, sign up for uh, my uh, monthly newsletter and learn more about me all at vishkana.com I feel like I scrambled that old episodes learning about me signing up for the newsletter all at vishkana.com I'm distracted by the lawnmower which I can hear again I'm sorry you can like creative control on uh, various social media things or follow it like Facebook and Twitter and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at vishcreative uh, or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Vishkana. I'm also on Blue Sky and Threads and all those things. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast running. $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, well, I still have some of those. Just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to the wonderful Alberta record store, Blackbird Music. Uh, they have locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, but you can order records from them uh, using the internet. You can learn more about them at blackbird.ca. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. I got to visit uh, all of those places on my recent trip to Ontario as I... Uh, mentioned at the top of the show i got very excited it was good to see uh, uh, some friends and and be back so uh, thanks again to those places another person i saw jim guthrie spent some time my only trip into toronto actually was to see my friend jim and he lets me use music of his on the show and you can learn more about him at jimguthrie.org and finally you out there thank you so much for listening to this episode with uh, julia from rat boys i hope you'll check out their album the window and there are other stuff as well. I hope you'll also subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends about it. Spread the word about Creative Control. That, that helps. 
And otherwise, I thank you, and I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.